Hello and welcome to the Oz Investing Podcast, the podcast for the everyday investor. Just a quick note before we begin today's podcast is that nothing in this podcast should be considered as personal financial advice. If you're ever in doubt about your financial situation, please reach out to a qualified financial advisor. With all that said and done, let's get into today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Oz Investing Podcast. My name is Sam and with me as always is my buddy Jude. How are you Jude? Hey Sam, doing good. How about you mate? Doing really well, thanks mate. So we're finally out of lockdown. How are you feeling? Uh, we're almost there, almost there. Uh, feeling optimistic, positive, looking forward to, you know, no restrictions and trying to <laughs> trying to go and explore some places. So all good so far. <laughs> yeah. So right now, as we're recording, it's been eight days of double donuts. So it's really looking positive, I think. And um there's going to be some announcements tomorrow, I believe. So we're we're out of the 25-kilometer bubble, and mm-hmm. um, the ring of steel is going to finally fall down. So <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of a lot of positives to come out of the next few days. Um, also, the border between Victoria and New South Wales is opening up as well towards the end of the month. So looking very promising, I think. Yep, I think, and all of this accounts for you know a better Christmas in a way because we can at least maybe go out and explore places or go for holidays somewhere hopefully Mm. and um, Christmas will be all the more cheerful I guess yeah that's right I think the Victorian government wants most people to holiday within the state if they can but I think some will be obviously tempted to to explore other parts of Australia if they can so um but, yeah. but, but what a good opportunity, right, to explore mm. different regional areas within Victoria as well, right, uh, yeah, no, on the countryside, because um, I think whenever we think about holidays, the first thing which comes to mind is, you know, travel interstate or, you know, go abroad for a holiday. Mm-hmm. But the, this kind of a situation has, you know, given this opportunity to explore some of the country areas of, of Victoria, so which is quite good. Yeah, that's right. You are going to do a trip away somewhere right um tell me again where where it was going to be i i booked it right away you know i think as soon as i (laughs) kind of got an inkling that something's going to give in terms of the restrictions being eased uh uh, i think if all goes according to plan and the 25 kilometer radius is uh what do you say the restrictions have been removed then i'll be planning to go to bright um i think it's right yep. yeah a couple of kilometers away and uh, just spend the weekend there maybe and it's awesome. just like a good like a good break right uh, go out there explore go, go on a hike just uh, just relax absolutely just relax and uh, get mm. refreshed and then uh, come back and back to the grind in terms of going back to work on monday right so <laughs> just just a weekend getaway how about you nice planning something uh, I was going to drive up to Sydney, uh, so towards the end of the month with the borders open, I was going to just drive up, see family and friends again, and uh, yeah, my brother's 30th birthday is coming up, so I'll just be in the nick of time to, to make that, so that's that's really good. And Have you planned yeah, something it's for just, him? Um, it's, it's a uh, big milestone in his life, 30th. Yeah. 30th <laughs> Yeah, so I'll, I'll have to have um, a few more thoughts around it, but yeah, definitely we'll, we'll we'll come up with something, and um, 
yeah definitely um you know make sure he he celebrates in style <laughs> good 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 and it's good it's good to be reunited with the family as well right and spend some time with them yeah for sure for sure and also as as we're talking right now the big us election is going on and um <laughs> we still don't have an official winner but um i think it's looking probably more promising for for mr joe biden at this stage i think um, his his main challenge would be is how how do how does he manage to get trump out of the white house right <laughs> you're right <laughs> if you're that right. happens <laughs> yeah yeah so i think there's still what is it four states um still in question right yeah. um what is it Anna. pennsylvania georgia uh, georgia uh, north carolina and what's the other one there are, i think there's alaska as well and i think there's arizona all think i'm assuming 90% reporting but uh, they've given it to uh, joe biden but uh, i think they're still waiting for confirmation is what i thought yeah but the as you said the disputed states are still pennsylvania and georgia mm, and yeah. i think georgia may go for re- a, a recount because it's just too close to call right so mm. it, this this could get stretched out a bit but yeah, yeah it, it more and more looks likely that it's going to be joe biden right <laughs> yeah yeah it's looking that way um and then there was another bit of news that that um i saw recently which was um an ipo for ant group um so (laughs) so that was um one that a lot of people were were anticipating but um it looks like they they haven't been able to fully launch their ipo um Mm. so so what did you make of that Ah, I think from from you know all the excitement and the anticipation of being the world's largest IPO to you know nothing going through, it was a bit disappointing, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, you're looking forward to something like this, but uh, in the end, I may say you can't do much about it, right? It's it's they figured out there were some regulatory uh, concerns, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm not too sure. I think uh, they hopefully would get another crack at it in some time once they you know rectify what has been um, identified as issues yeah. and uh, let's let's have a look at that space i think it's going to get interesting because uh, you don't really know where that is going to head right because there are different uh, different political angles maybe to it as well so i'm not too sure yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah that's that's going to be an interesting space to watch out for yeah for sure i think fintechs in general will play a big part in the new world uh, in the next um, few decades. So it'll be interesting to see how the banks react and, and what they would do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the whole um, finance space is, is going to be very interesting uh, with payments and, and um, how people conduct business um, with online um, commerce. Yeah, it's going to be definitely one to watch. Yep, yep. All right, cool. Okay, so let's jump into the topic for today's podcast, which is passive investing versus active investing. So -hmm. we'll do something a little bit different for today's podcast. We'll be addressing some of the commonly asked questions in this topic, and um, we'll just be then discussing um, each each question. Uh, So do you want to kick it off, Jude? Yeah, sure. I think, uh, yeah, that's a good 
format to go about it because you know you can just address some of these commonly or frequently asked questions by a lot of investors when they really get into it right so i think one of the most common questions we get is like what does passive investing really mean right so you know before really getting into uh, passive investment and passive strategies right let's start with the basics let's take a step back and say like what's exactly an index right because mm. usually what happens is we associate passive with an index with an index correct so uh, an index is considered as a total market barometer for the stock market okay so and if i have to give you a good example here uh, of an index yeah it is you can talk about the asx 200 index right it tracks the biggest 200 companies listed on the australian stock exchange yep um if you want to talk about an international index uh, the s&p 500 which is a very famous one and it tracks the 500 biggest companies in america right so hmm. usually as i said passive investing strategies are investing through index funds and the goal of these or the goal or the objective of these funds are to track a particular index so that's yeah. that's predominantly by what you mean by you know passive investment strategies through an index yeah mm. that's good thanks jude yep so another question that gets asked quite commonly is how does one invest passively in the market so there's two ways that that can be done um through a traditional index fund yep. or through what's now very popular uh, an exchange traded fund or an ETF that tracks an index so i'll start with just talking a little bit about the traditional index fund mm-hmm. uh so it's typically a low cost low risk um investment portfolio of shares that track the financial market yep. or a particular financial market and the index fund approach is to simply mimic the stock market rather than try and outperform it so there's a lot less work to be done for the fund manager and that's one of the reasons why the fees also are a lot lower uh, compared to other investment funds so for example there could be an australian index fund that's tracking the australian share market the asx the actual share market in itself um there's over 2000 stocks that are mm-hmm. listed yep but to mimic the performance of the australian market you don't have to buy all 2000 stocks all you really have to do is just buy the top 200 or the top 300 stocks and this is because the top companies account for 82% of australians at the australian market capitalization So the index fund um is is a big collection of stocks and it gives the investor a lot of diversification. If a company leaves the index, so for example, if company number 300 um drops um in market cap size, um it no longer forms part of that index and then the new 300 whatever company then um uh, is is next in line in in terms of market capitalization then just slots into uh that that particular fund um so there's very little work involved um uh, mm-hmm. by by the fund manager and and that's why it's known as a passive investing style got it got it got it. and i think you you also touched upon another interesting investing vehicle basically right now which is got very popular which is uh which are etfs right and uh, what do we really mean by etfs they're 
exchange traded funds and as the name implies right these funds are traded on the stock market like any other security or shares okay mm-hmm. now there are etfs that track an index and that's you know that's the style where it we say it's a passive investment style through an etf right the ones which just mm-hmm. track the index and um, you know as mentioned earlier that uh, there are etfs that track the asx 200 or 300 uh for instance if i have to give you an example there's something called uh, and very popular here is the the vanguard fund which is a vas or you know better sh- beta shares which have got the a- a200 fund yeah mm. yeah um you know major points that separate an index from an etf maybe because i think if you if you ask any investor or any any particular uh, regular investor comes in they say you know what's the difference right both of the, both of them are really tracking an index so what's mm-hmm. what separates the two one is when you look at it uh, the index funds are unlisted as compared to the exchange traded funds that are listed on the stock market and i think that's uh, an essential uh, difference between the two um, yep. the index funds are purchased directly through the front provider so say for instance you you approach a vanguard or you a blackrock uh, and you buy a particular fund uh, index fund through them mm-hmm. uh, whereas ETFs uh, just like how you would trade any shares on the stock market can be purchased through your brokerage account right mm. you you enter the ticker code and then you can make those particular sh- uh, you know uh, purchases as and when uh, you want them right mm-hmm. um another thing would really comes to mind is when it comes to index funds right they are usually purchased at the end of the day trade as compared to like you know the uh, the exchange traded fund which can be purchased when the stock market is open and there is the live pricing right so these are some mm. fundamental differences between the two um, in terms of the index versus an etf both good investment uh, you know passive investment uh, vehicles but mm. you know obviously as we said there are subtle differences between the two of them yep thanks for explaining that i think yeah a lot of people kind of interchange index funds and and etf they they are a bit uh, different um So another question that gets commonly asked is um what does active investing really mean? Um so we mm-hmm. talked a bit about passive so so now yeah. let's talk about active investing. Um and the active investing um style or or, or what is the goal of of active investing is to try and beat the market. Yep. Um so basically um an active investor for example will will try and beat the ASX 200 or the ASX 300 so they will look um to pick and choose certain companies that that will meet a certain criteria and be in the hope uh to make better returns than the index so let's just say hypothetically uh the index returns on average 7 to 8% um mm-hmm. and an active investor will will try and look to beat that benchmark so they might be looking for 10% 15% 20% um and and actually try to perform better uh, than than what the market's doing at the moment so they'll be they'll be tinkering with their uh portfolio they'll be um selling and buying on a regular basis in an attempt uh to to actually um beat the market so yep. they could choose 5 to 10 companies they could choose more um it's it's totally up to the the investor on um their particular star and how they want to go about achieving that yep yep so 
after a time frame, if it's not not achieved, yeah, they they could look to sell some of the underperforming companies uh, within their portfolio, um, mm. and and then try to um, look for new ones that could potentially beat the markets. They would try to look for you know different trends or or, or patterns uh, within the economy, um, new technologies, um, new. Um, types of emerging themes in the market which could be um, dominant over, over the next um, decade or two. So that's that's what um, active investors try to do. Correct, correct. And I think a good follow-up question to that, and I think thanks for really explaining what, you know, entails in terms of the whole active management of, you know, your different uh, uh, elements of your portfolio, right? Uh, so if in case you were to take this one step further and asking the next question is, how do you really, what are different vehicles where we actively manage your portfolio, correct? So the one is obviously through stock stock picking, right? Because when you pick individuals as, a, as an individual investor, picking individual shares on the on the market and, you know, regulate tinkering with them is, is the way you can uh, actively manage your portfolio, right? You will mm-hmm. need, see, and when you do something like this, you really need to know and understand comp- the company, what's its objectives, what's its goals, what what are the products and services it offers. You need to do a market analysis to decide which of those companies make sense to, you know, to uh, put them part of your portfolio. Uh, you you'll need to go into details into trying to understand and monitor the conditions of the industry, the impact of the, you know, the wider economy on, on those industries which are part of your portfolio, right? So, so that if conditions change, you can sell or rearrange their holdings, right? So you're actively managing the companies within your particular portfolio through just stock yep. picking. Yep. Uh, another element through which how people actively manage all of this is, I think you, we've heard these these uh, terminologies quite a lot. You know, I'm a I'm a trader, or, you know, I'm a day trader and all that stuff, right? So these individuals, what they do is they usually try to look at different uh, assets to trade to make money and usually their outlook is not like a long-term view it's it's predominantly like a daily outlook right more to do mm. with patterns and sentiments rather than you know going into the fundamental analysis of the company right to try to yeah. make obviously the the gains on uh their trades yeah so that's yeah. that's another way that people really look into it uh another way in if is if in case you do want to do it yourself right uh you can always go in through uh, a managed fund right now managed funds can be listed or they can be unlisted right and listed funds are available on the stock market right and mm-hmm. you can you can basically access them through your broker right like any other share but uh, unlisted managed funds are not on the share market and to purchase mm-hmm. them right you need to directly go through the fund manager and try to approach the fund manager and you know then the fund manager takes care of you know what allocations are needed for you to in terms of performing and underperforming and you know rebalancing all of that stuff it's the, mm-hmm. it's the onus on the the fund manager to take care of all of that yeah yeah um another interesting element we spoke about etfs from a passive perspective there are active etfs as well so you know if you can trade act, etfs actively is another another outlook where you can think about you know actively um trading onto the onto the market as well so it depends on your strategy. You know, you can use ETFs in both ways. Um, the more popular way is through the passive style through an index, correct? But mm. at the same time, there are active ETFs too. And mm. that's, that's another avenue, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so I think we've covered quite a bit and, and I think a lot of people um, then, you know, start to, to ask, okay, what, what are some examples of um, some ETFs, index funds um, and, and managed funds as well? So I think we'll, we'll give a few examples. Um, so we'll start with index funds and we'll, we'll talk about, you know, the traditional index funds and, and um, how you um, can, can join one if you're interested. Um, so as mentioned before, you go directly to the fund provider. So a very well-known one is Vanguard. Um, another well-known one is BlackRock. Uh, so you would apply directly to them. Um, so what that would entail normally is you, you've got to um, do a little bit of paperwork. Uh, you've got to put in your, um, your details. Um, send that um, application form in and and once you get accepted um, then you can invest directly uh, with these fund providers yep. so typically there's a minimum um, entry or a minimum um, purchase amount to get started mm -hmm. um, and then also there'll be a way to periodically add into that fund um, so you can be pay into it or, or do a direct um, bank transfer and then you can um, invest uh, with, with that particular fund uh, so so that's uh, what you would do for for a traditional index fund. Yep, uh, Jude, yep. do you want to talk a bit about um, ETFs and how you go about those? Sure, sure. I think so. Some of the examples, which, as I said, you know, it's it's easier in terms of accessibility when it comes to ETFs. So it's just like purchasing um, the shares on the stock market, right? Uh, and there are a couple of options we have had here in Australia, which are quite popular. Uh, one is, I think uh, we touched upon it in the earlier parts of the podcast, where we, if you're in, your interest is to track a particular index, uh, say in Australia, the top, say 300 companies, then VAS, the offering by Vanguard is an, is an option, or something like from uh, Beta Shares, which is the A200, is, is an option. Uh, if, you know, international exposure and say, particularly US, is your focus point then you know uh, blackrock has got the ivv which is uh, nothing but the snp 500 index now mm -hmm. you know you, you've got to look at these as a mix and match to make your portfolio as a whole right so in a way that uh, there are certain other options right for instance uh, you're more inclined towards technology right and there are uh, and what you called as thematic options where they, they've got certain underlying themes where you can really uh, invest in. So when I said that, suppose you're more inclined towards technology, there are a couple of uh, tech-specific ETFs available out there in the market. Like I think ETF Securities has got something called as uh, tech. It's, it's uh, literally called tech. <laughs> it is literally called tech. So that's that's good because, you know, when you're looking at tech sometimes, you know, the and based on what the current market is all about, right? We, we talk about just the software side of things. Yeah. But uh, when I when you look at uh, that particular index, it, it's it's technology from, you know, hardware, software, and all of that stuff together. You know, it's mm -hmm. a combination of uh, all of those elements. Yeah. Uh, there's something like, say, for instance, you think that, you know, the world's moving to a place where we're, everything is moving towards uh, digital transformation. And then, you know, there's there is going to be this case for, uh, an improved uh, element of cyber security. So they've mm -hmm. got like something called as, uh, this is beta shares, I think they've got something called as hack, which yep. you know focuses on that particular theme. Mm -hmm. Then obviously there's the famous 
five companies or the fang stocks which is facebook uh, 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 netflix google and uh, amazon right amazon, so yeah. so yeah. and then that's uh, that's another option if you feel that you know they're going to be ruling the roost for next couple of years then you know that's a good etf option and gives you exposure to those companies rather than you investing in just one of those companies right mm. so that that is another option available in the etfs and um, i can go on and on about you know there are so many etf options out there if it's uh, there are also so if you can't decide sometimes whether you want it to be you know a particular theme or a particular company or a particular index uh, some of these providers, they also provide you with uh, ETFs, which give you exposures in terms of complete portfolio. You know, you you just invest in that ETF, the proportioning of that portfolio in, in terms of, say, the international exposures or the Australian exposures is taken care if you just buy that one particular fund. And I think BetaShares has got an option and I think even Vanguard has got an option like that, where that, you know, yes. based on the themes, uh, conservative uh, funds, there is the high growth funds, then there is the growth fund, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. So there are a couple of options. So yeah, you, you've I got, think you just, you just yeah. select based on your uh, risk tolerance, Correct. so to say, and then you, you pick the appropriate um, ETF, which is already a, a complete portfolio. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the thing is, you know, the, the entry barrier is it's, it's not as, much in terms of an index fund, right? Where you have to go through the the fund provider and then, you know, there will be a minimum parcel which is available, which you need to purchase. ETFs, as I said, is more easily accessible to the stock through the stock market. And uh, the only fees which really come into the picture is if you want to purchase them is how you would purchase them across through your brokerage account, you know, the buying and selling aspects of it. So yep. that's that's a little brief in terms of and some of the examples of some popular ETFs. Um, Sam, could you just quickly walk us through some of the things in terms of what what are managed funds, right? I think that's an, that's the third element which we touched upon in this uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about one particular type of uh, managed fund to begin with, and that's LICs or listed investment companies. Uh, so this is another very popular option for a lot of investors. Um, so just to give a little bit of historical context, ETFs were only around, I believe, 20 years ago, um, and it's kind of just you know really exploded in popularity over the last decade or so. LICs they've been around a lot longer i think they they would have started perhaps in the um in the 1950s um some of the really old ones so lic's can be purchased on the stock market just just like um regular shares uh so they they have the same characteristics as um an etf but i suppose one of the key differences is the structure um, of an lic compared to the structure of an etf so not to try and go too technical but um an lic is a closed structure where, where an etf is, is an open-ended structure so the lic there's only a certain amount of shares out there um for for LIC. I see shares. So typically when people are purchasing them, they're purchasing them from um, another investor. They, they're typically um, not quite as diverse as a um, an index ETF. So if you were to compare directly um, a, a VAS um, versus a very uh, well-known LIC, um, which is AFI, um, mm-hmm. 
then you you'll find that AFI probably has about a hundred odd companies, but um, VAS has, has got the three hundred uh, companies uh, in that fund. Uh, so there's a slight difference there in in terms of the number of of holdings. Mm-hmm. Um, both LICs and ETFs um, have what's called a DRP. Um, so again, just a little bit more jargon, but that's a distribution <laughs> reinvestment plan. So both ETFs and LICs will give their investors dividends. And um, if you opt into a DRP, what that means is instead of the dividend being paid to your um, to your cash account, it will mm-hmm. actually then um, be used to to buy more shares um, in, instead. So so instead of paying paying out that dividend, um, that that money will be saved so that um, once it is able to buy more shares, it will do that automatically uh, without incurring brokerage. Uh, so. It could be something that that investors consider um, if they're investing for the long term and it can help with that snowballing effect um, if you opt into the DRP. Got it. Something unique, though, to to LICs is um, some of them actually have um, what's called a DSSP. Uh, So this is the dividend substitution share plan. So AFI um, is is one of the... um, LICs that that has this particular option Um, and it's different to the DRP that we just spoke about um, Mm -hmm. where this one um, is um, you you won't have to actually pay um, any income tax um, if you opt into the uh, DSSP. Um, so basically, you're you're accumulating shares as as um, as part of the DSSP um, option. Um, so basically, yeah, it's it's a different way um, that you can accumulate um, the stocks um, in, instead of going through the traditional DRP um, system. So this may be suitable for people that are on a high income tax bracket mm-hmm. because people that opt into a DRP, they're actually still paying um, income tax on on um, on those dividends, even though there's a franking com- uh, component um, with that, they're still paying income tax. But with the DSSP, you're actually not paying income tax. Uh, so it could be a, a good little option for investors that are on a high income tax bracket. All right. So yeah, something to keep in mind. Um, so a few examples I've mentioned AFI um, before, but there's also um, Argo, BKI, mm-hmm. um, and Milton Corp. Yeah, um, quite, are, quite is, popular is another, ones. Yeah, uh, well well known LICs. Got it. Got it. And I think uh, you know I think we touched upon this when we were just defining what these managed funds are. And I think the example, like as you mentioned, and it's quite evident in its name. These are like the ones which are listed managed funds, right? They're mm-hmm. available on the share market. And mm-hmm. just to touch upon the other element is the unlisted funds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to understand something which is common to both, right? Um, the, the overall definition of both of these funds is is a pooled investment. So investors combine their money with other investors, right? And mm-hmm. this pool of funds is then managed by this particular account. It could be listed or it can be unlisted. So the units which are underlying units right uh, investors will own the units of the managed fund but not the underlying securities so that's that's like a common element 
between uh, you know both of these funds and mm-hmm. if i have to again talk about some of the you know unlisted managed funds uh, would be like uh, there are there are a couple of examples out there uh, you know the uh, something like a hyperion asset management company which has a couple of options there is you know the benilong australian equity partners um as another example and then there is an anacasia capital so you'll find you'll find these uh, different uh, what do you say unlisted managed funds and as as mentioned earlier right you need to go and purchase the units of these unlisted managed funds you directly associate or you buy and sell from through the fund manager yeah so mm-hmm. these are some of the examples from an unlisted managed fund right yeah so another imp- now i think moving on to the next next element about it and as i am you've spoken about so many uh, definitions and we've given each uh, different examples of each of those different types right uh, yep. next important question which is on everyone's mind is so what are the costs involved in active versus passive right these are two different strategies definitely there will be some costs involved and yes that's that's mm-hmm. an absolute valid question because i'll start off with uh, the active strategies now we spoke about stock pick, stock picking or trading right and uh, the costs usually associated when you you know buying these shares on the stock market is with the brokerage buying and selling of uh, these underlying securities would be based on how much you are paying brokerage with the with the type of broker you are associated with mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and um, another interesting thing and uh, this is again we've touched this Uh, on this topic in the early in an earlier episode we've said this brokerage space is getting really competitive and um, you know it makes sense for an investor to just check different options available out there and uh, see which broker uh, gives you the best edge in terms of uh, reduced fees right from a brokerage point of view yep. um, now when it comes to active management through these managed funds or you know active etfs as well uh, there are additional fees which really get associated one would be uh, obviously the managing of the fund fee but then in certain cases obviously there is also the something called as performance fee because you're you're leveraging their expertise in order for, for them to work on your investments to give you better returns right so mm. the normal fund Uh, fee which basically is associated with it but there could be add on performance fee too you know based on how the funds performing obviously and yeah. uh, usually these tend to be you know 0.5% or more um is what we've seen in the market yeah 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 so they've got to pay their analysts and their um correct research correct. I mean, departments and all of that you know when they're plowing through um all that data and information that's out there in the world to try and find the the absolute best investments they'll they'll charge for that so correct and, and it's convenience right like you were not really getting into that entire space to doing all correct. of that research yourself so they're basically charging you almost like a convenience fee along with obviously if the funds performing well they they like yeah. to associate a performance fee to it as well <laughs> yeah yeah that's right so um let's talk I'll, i'll talk a little bit more about the um the fees involved with with um passive investing so yeah. it's usually lower uh compared to to active mm-hmm. um so once it's um set up the administrative costs um are something that that needs to be paid so if we're talking about um ETFs they have something called uh the MER which is the management expense ratio 
which is normally quite low um, uh, for for an index fund, um, and there normally isn't any performance fee associated as well. But obviously, check the full um, product disclosure statement uh, for for each uh, individual product. Uh, but we're talking in general terms. Um, typically, there there is only just the the MER uh, to consider. So. I think this is one of the main reasons why um, passive investing through ETFs have become so popular um, because they have really low fees um, and it's something that you know is, is significantly um, lower when you compare it with the active um, investing style um, mm. by, by different uh, fund managers. Um, ETFs um, will obviously incur brokerage, um, as, as we've already spoken about, um, because you're you're trading uh, in the stock market. Um, but aside from the brokerage and and the the MER, there's not too much else uh, you would uh, need to consider. Um, but probably the final thing would be uh, would be tax, and and I think we spoke a little bit about that in the previous podcast episode. So just taking into consideration, um, you know, capital gains tax and and tax on dividend. And, uh, things like that is just something to keep in mind as well. Perfect. Perfect. So another, well, kind of to to um, to now finally compare both of them. A lot of people ask, okay, which one's better, active investing <laughs> or, or or passive investing? So uh, this is something that's been an ongoing debate for a very long time. Uh, so there are some studies that have shown that. Um, active investments don't really match up to the performance of passive investments over a very long time period. So we're talking at least 10 years or more. Mm -hmm. But there are some uh, exceptions to this and there has been instances where some active investors have managed to outperform the market. So it does happen, it can occur, um, but you need to keep it into account. Okay, you know what? What is your time frame, and also, you know, what are the fees you're paying um, if you're if you're going down the active um, investing route? Um, so definitely, you do have the the um, opportunity to to beat the market with the active investing strategy, um, mm -hmm. and the passive investing strategy at best uh, can can match the market, right? So. There'll be a slight variation or a slight deviation, of course, um, after taking into account uh, fees and the tracking area and so forth. But mm -hmm. if you're investing, let's say you're investing in VAS, um, you know, it is pretty much going to track um, whatever the Australian uh, stock market is performing. All right. So if for for um, the past year it, it did um, four percent, then then that's pretty much what your investment um, would would turn out to be. Right. Yep. Um, and to talk about one very famous example, uh, Warren Buffett, uh, the, wor the world's best um, uh, investor, he actually made a bet uh, with a hedge fund manager in 2008. Uh, so he, he actually made a bet that an index fund would actually outperform um, any of the funds that that the uh, hedge fund manager would uh, would pick uh, mm. over a ten year period. So he made a one million dollar bet, um, and he won. He 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 actually won by um, a fair margin. Uh, so I guess well, there's two things. I think we need to look at this from two sides. Um, mm. It does show that you know 
passive investing um, and investing through an index um, has a lot of potential. And I think for most everyday people that have a very busy schedule, don't have the time to look at balance sheets and the performance of, of a company and their, their expected performance in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, an index um, fund could be a very good way to go about um, uh, investing their money. On the other hand, what you also need to understand and know though is Warren Buffett himself is an active investor. Absolutely. Uh, so, so he picks and chooses his, his own companies. And I think, you know, People that have looked into this know that, you know, he's picked um, Coca-Cola, he's picked Apple um, and, and a few other stocks. Um, he's he's picked them himself, right, as as part of what he's doing in, in running uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Correct. So he himself is is a um, an active investor. Obviously, not everyone's going to be um, thinking about the market as, as much as, as Warren Buffett. Yep. Um, so there's just you know the two sides of the story that's all that that need to be uh, considered absolutely and i think that's you hit the nail on the head there sam because you know it's it's an approach and there there are cases where you know it warrants that you can include both of those strategies right um, and it depends as you said if there is a person who doesn't have that much amount of time to really dedicate it to understand companies and all that stuff. The indexing way may be the best way to go about it for that particular individual, right? Mm-hmm. But when I said that, you know, you can use both of those strategies, you can use something it in something what is called as the core and satellite approach. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of resources out there which talks about this core and satellite approach, right? But just to give a brief summary about it is you assume that your portfolio is a pie chart and you split this pie chart in two sections, a core percentage and a satellite percentage. We spoke about it, you know, ideally a beginner mm-hmm. starting off into the market, still trying to gauge and understand the market should, you know, focus solely on a core component of passive strategies. I think that's that could be uh, a good uh, starting point. But, yep. you know, as in, as in when you get more knowledge of the market, you start reading more, you understand companies, the way they function and all of that stuff, you can then explore the percentage and have a satellite component as well. So then, you know, that core satellite percentage is something which you can explore and uh, you can start off again, as I said, from a beginner to then moving towards an intermediary, you can start off by saying that, okay, let, let the core components be somewhere around 80 to 90 percent which is you know uh, robust and you know literally on on the verge of boring because you wanted to be sturdy in, in a way right so have a solid core component and when you want to play around with you know individual companies uh, or some you know some, some thematic um, uh, securities as we spoke about then you can you know they can be part of that 10 to 20 percent of your portfolio you know so mm. Again, you know, it's there's no clear cut, as you rightly pointed out, there's no clear cut winner here. Yeah, you can use both of these strategies together. You can use it individually. It's up to you because active and passive investing strategies are in a way what I can see, you know, you, there are shades of it in each based on the strategy you kind of adopt. And uh, yep. it comes down to an individual, their priorities, uh, their tolerance to risk, very important element timelines as well as what they want, really want to do in terms of goals and objectives correct mm-hmm. yeah so yep. it's an individual's uh, uh, perspective about what they want to do with their money so active or passive if you can work with either and you know whatever works for you 
um, you can just you know take that approach up. Yeah, yeah. Now, very wise words, Jude. Um, <laughs> so we'll just do an episode summary and recap what we talked about in today's podcast. So we talked about the nuances of active and passive investing. We went through a few examples of index funds, ETFs, and managed funds, including LICs. And we also talked about adopting both practices in your investing strategy through a core and satellite approach. So that's all we have time for today. Thank you all for listening in. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please check out our website, oz-investing.com, spelled oz-investing, and consider joining our email list. We'll be sending out an easy-to-use checklist on what to look out for when investing in the stock market. Also, check us out on social media. There are links in our website to our social pages. And if you'd like to contact us, please do so. Please send us an email, ozinvesting2020 at gmail.com or through the contact section of our website. With all that said and done, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll catch you in the next episode. See you later.